Uh, it is deep. You, know, it's, you think about it, it's really as deep as you can go. I mean, it gets all the way to the inside and asks you to pretty much expose yourself. And, you know, I wasn't really sure if you guys were ready for that. But it's just been an awesome two weeks so far. You guys have responded uh, really well, and I know that's making an impact in your lives. I just want to kind of recap the first couple weeks of the series. In the, the first week, we uh, kind of talked about this whole idea of secrets. We talked about uh, the consequences of secrets and why we keep them in the first place and how we're afraid of shame. And I asked you to uh, write down uh, a lot of your secrets. And so uh, I wanted to read a couple more. Uh, some people asked if we would. It's kind of like, ooh, secrets are juicy. And we, we like to hear. We like to hear how messed up other people are, and we're kind of not the only ones. And so, uh, how many people weren't here last week when I read? Okay, so some of this is new to you guys, but this is kind of what, what we've been doing. We asked you guys to write down some things. So, uh, this one taps, uh, you know, says, I, I sneak into R80 movies, and, you know, a lot of my parents. been extremely depressed and uh, cut myself and no one knows I lie to cover it up. I have issues eating and I've gone uh, days trying to starve myself so people would think I'm pretty. I feel like my whole life is a lie. Everything I know is sin. Feel that there's so much bad that I can't undo it. I'm violent, can't hold my anger in. I am the worst of the worst, and there are times that I hate God. I struggled with pornography since the fourth grade. If I told my parents, they would kill me. I have a temper problem. Take it out on my little brother and sister. Battle with being depressed and uh, eating disorders. Smoke weed regularly. And uh, this was one from last week. I haven't opened my Bible in about a year and I don't even know where it is. So, no, that has to do with pornography. Afraid of love and to be loved. Hate failing. I beat myself up when I fail. Sexually active. I lie to people closest to me, but I say I don't. I let my friends pressure me to, to lie to my parents. And the list goes on and on and on. And, you know, we talked about that these secrets are, they, these are from the, the best of the best. This is from our core students. This is from, you know, not the, the Friday night crowd, but this is from um, a majority of students that have been raised in church. And, and I kind of expected that. Uh, and I, I was appreciative of your guys' honesty. It, it got better in the, in the last week, and so the week after this one, where we asked you guys to write that down, we kind of talked about this idea of confession and what confession looks like. And we focused on God's forgiveness and God's love and how His unprecedented love that never ends is, is what we receive when we go to God. And it was just an awesome uh, time as we went before God and it was just an awesome time of worship to respond at the end. So tonight I want to close out this series. It's our last one with the What's Your Secret? And I want to be a little bit more practical with you guys, give you guys some, some uh, helpful insight into uh, where you go from here. 
And so most of you guys are, like I said, kind of the church kids, kind of the kids that have been around what we do uh, quite a bit. So you've probably been to a number of retreats, you've probably been to a number of conferences or services, and you've uh, listened and you've heard the pastor or the leader kind of do the altar call and, and have, you know, say, if you want to dedicate your life to the Lord, why don't you come up front and you pray this prayer. You guys know the whole trail, you guys know what I'm talking about. And, there's something interesting that I see, and I see this a lot, uh, you know, being a pastor, is that I see the same person go up to the front time and time and time again. Now, I'm not saying that that's bad. I mean, I, I met a, a great revival teacher, uh, a preacher one time that came to church, and he said that he, he was a revivalist. That's what he did. This guy was on fire for God. He, he would never miss an altar call. I mean, no matter what it was, he would never miss. So I'm not saying going up to the altar time and time again is bad. Because I, I, I don't know people's hearts and what's going on there. Um, you know, are people people humbling themselves before God? Absolutely. Are people um, praying, uh, you know, for lost people? Absolutely. Uh, are people rededicating their lives to God? Yes. But a lot of times, what happens, and, and, and what really, what's going on there at that altar, instead of a rededication, it's more of a rededication of a rededication of a rededication of a rededication. And some of you have probably... Uh, been there at some point uh, in your life. And so the problem with this is that, is that um, the, the, those people that are rededicating their life are usually confessing the same sin over and over again and over and over. And no matter what happens, they, they think they shake it six months later, you, you come back and you're, you're dealing with the same issue and you don't know why. You, you don't know what the big deal is. And so the question is, and this is what I want to talk about today, is why aren't we getting over it. Why in the world does this kind of thing happen? Because it's not, what I'm talking about, it's not that people weren't repentant and they weren't truly sorry for what they did. I'm talking about people who, they go down and they hate what's going on in their life and they hate the sin that's kind of got them entrapped and they don't know how to get rid of it. I mean, I read that in your cards. I don't know how many cards I read where it talked about whatever the secret was and it said on there, you know, I, I hate this. I hate this about myself. I, 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 I need help. Please help me! Exclamation mark! Exclamation mark! So it's not like people are going and they're not truly being authentic with God and truly wanting healing, but for some reason or another, people are kind of getting over and breaking away from their secrets. It's almost like they're trapped and there's no way out. So you're probably thinking, if you were here last week, well, wait a minute, I'm confused. I thought confession was the key. I thought as we talked about confession and confession to God, that if we did that, then we would kind of be set free and we wouldn't have to deal with whatever we were doing. You said last week, if we were honest and open with ourselves, that that would bring about forgiveness. And that's true. Being open before God will bring about forgiveness, but I want to take it a step further today, and I want to be a little bit more practical, and I don't want to focus on forgiveness, I want to focus on something a little bit uh Something a little bit different. So if you guys have your Bibles, how many people have your Bibles? Alright? James 5, 16. James 5, 16 is where we're going to look at tonight. Right, I need to hear pages for you. I have a few. Okay. I'll give you guys a second to get there. James 5, 16. We're reading out of the NIV. I'm going to take this time to get some water. Is that cool? Mm, water is good. Alright, James 5, 16, here we go. Therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful 
ineffective. I'm going to read it one more time. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. And I want you guys to understand this real quick. We look at this verse and we learn something. That confessing to God provides forgiveness while confessing to someone else provides healing. It's up on the board, right? Very good. Confessing to God provides forgiveness. Confessing to people provides healing. Now all of a sudden you're thinking in your mind, like, wait a minute, something sounds a little off. That, that doesn't sound right. I mean, Jesus is our healer, right? When we sing the song, I believe that you're my healer. You guys know what I'm talking about? You've seen these songs, and I, I'm going to try out for the worship band. Was that, was that good there? Can you use me next week? Next week I'll be here by myself, I'll be worship, because we don't have service. That'll be my shot. Alright. We, 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 we have these ideas, and we think, you know, like, Jesus is a healer. Like, people don't have power to heal other people. Do It's kind of confusing. You know, and and so we think, you know, when we confess to God, that's last week that's all I talked about was confessing to God, being open and honest before God. Why in the world do we have to confess to other people? I mean, it would be a whole lot easier uh, if, if we just had to confess to God and we could keep what's going on inside of us in the confines of our heart, you know. And when we ask, well, why can't forgiveness and healing to go together? Why can't it be more like a package deal? Like you go up to McDonald's and they, they package everything together. You ask for a number two, and you get the Coke fries, and then all together. We should be able to go to God and say, God, I need, you know, a number two combo. I need some, some forgiveness with a sign of healing. And while you're at it, throw on some grace and some mercy. And it would be a lot easier, right? If we could just get, get all that at once and, and get it done with. And I think that's just kind of, kind of human nature. Is that we we want stuff that costs us nothing. We want the easy way out. We want God to just, you know, whoop to do we set some things to God and we want him just to make everything right and we want this, this magical experience that changes our heart without anybody else knowing what happened. But that's not how God's designed us to live, and that's not how He's designed us to work amongst each other. That's not how He's designed the church. So to get a better context of what James five sixteen is saying. We need to go back and look up at a, at a few verses before that. Verses 14 through 15, if you have your Bibles. We're going to get some context for what's going on. Verse 14 through 15 says this. It says, If any of you is sick, you should call the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up. Okay. So, who's healing who and what's going on? Because you're telling me that when we believe that Jesus is their healer, but we read in this verse that Jesus is saying, pray to the elders and the elders will heal you. What, what exactly is going on? You look at the verse, and we, we look and the verse says that the Lord will raise him up. So it's Jesus who's doing the healing, but the fact of the matter is that Jesus chooses to work through humanity to save humanity. And it's not just by going and speaking the gospel and, and letting people hear his gospel, but it's a, uh, you know, a lot further circumstances than, than that. It's through healing and, and laying hands on each other and praying for each other. And so James paints this picture of Jesus as a healer who works through the community of faith. Okay? And James is encouraging us to be open and honest with each other. He's saying, James is encouraging us in this verse, don't just keep yourself in, in your heart to yourself before God and confess to Him, but open your heart to other people. He's saying, 
To be completely whole, you need to live amongst other people, open and honest. And so, I want to be practical with you guys today, and I want to talk about this idea of confession and, and what it really looks like. And I know you're sitting there, and some of you, you, you know, you, this is your first week, and you haven't even been in the series, so you, you know, you haven't really been thinking about this too much. But those of you who've been sitting there, probably sitting in your seat, and maybe you've been wrestling something in your heart. And you're thinking to yourself, okay, so now what? So you, you, I thought I was good last week. You said if you confess to God, we would be forgiven. And I thought I was good there. Now you're wanting me to confess to another person. And you're thinking in your head, like, you got to be kidding me. There's no way, Pastor Matt, you don't know what I've done. You don't know what's going on in my life. I mean, you told some of your stories about picking boogers. And you told me some of your stories about, you know, lying to your parents and getting thrown in a cop car. But that stuff wasn't, that wasn't too big a deal. Like, that was JV stuff compared to what I'm going through. I mean, you don't know my story. You don't know how bad it really is. I mean, if you really, really knew what was going on in my life, and if you could be in my brain for a day, and if you could look in my heart, you wouldn't think the same about me. I am a pretty messed up person. I can't tell anybody. I just need to clean myself up and act like everything's okay. And that's a lie. I want just to remind you of a couple things. We talked about that very first week. We talked about why we even hold secrets in the first place. It's this idea of shame. And I want to repeat that definition again. The painful feeling arising from the consciousness of something dishonorable. And so when we have these secrets, we're afraid of this shame. We're afraid of feeling this painful feeling about what others think about us. And so we think, well, we can avoid this pain if we sweep it all under the rug and we kind of conceal it. You know, if we think we, if we lock everything up, then no one has to know, no one gets hurt, and our reputation is intact. And so I want to be practical with you guys. I want to convince you, don't fall into that trap of, of being fearful of shame. Don't fall into that trap of thinking like, you know, if I tell someone, they're really, they're, they're, they're not going to accept me, they're going to look down on me, okay? And so some of you, as we go into this, I can imagine your, your feelings. Some of you have been thinking about this for a while. Some of you are extremely nervous. You are like, I want to tell someone. I think I'm going to do it. I don't think I'm going to do it. I have the courage. And I've been, I, I sat where you are. I sat in services for, for years with things bottled up inside me, wishing. I, I, I wish someone, and sometimes I'm like, I, I'm not strong enough to tell someone. I need someone to just rip it out of me. I, I, and I would sit there and I would think that. I wish someone would come up to me and just make me tell them what's going on in my heart because I wasn't strong enough to do it. So some of you may be nervous, you're wrestling that. Some of you may be like nervously excited, knowing that, you know what? I'm going to tell someone what's going on in my heart, and I'm nervous, and it's going to be awful. But at the same time, I know that's what God wants me to do, and I know there's going to be healing from it. So at the same token, even though I'm nervous, I'm kind of excited. And so some of you have those kind of feelings going on. So I want to be really practical with you guys today. As we talk about confession and confessing to other people, I want to give you guys some practical steps on who you can confess to and what that looks like. Okay? I was talking with Pete, and we were up at the, the prayer meeting, and a couple of us were just praying for services. And he's like, you know, we've been doing the secret service. We should, we need to get to a point where we can just, you know, act, we should just go up in our mic, and we should just tell all the secrets to everybody. And I was like, well... You know, we're not, we're not going to quite do that, and there's some, some kind of steps and some structure that I want to give you, some practical steps to who you should confess to and what that looks like. So if you see me again, 
I'm going to grab some water, and I'll begin anew. So who should you confess to? You've been thinking about it, and I, you know some people have already you know, kind of opened up some things. And I've talked to some students after service, and um, I've been, you know, just uh, they've opened up to me, and I've been able to hear some of what they said. Some of you have, maybe you have no one. You're not sure who to tell. Some of you, you know, you, you have someone that trusts you, and that sometimes that makes it even harder when someone trusts you a lot, and you have a kind of a good relationship. With, and so it, it's hard to tell those kind of people. So I want to give you some guidelines on what confession looks like and who you should confess to. So number one, confess to someone who is trustworthy. This is a pretty obvious one. There's, there's, there's kind of five topics I want to talk about to you. So I want you to confess to someone who's trustworthy. What that means is you might not want to confess to your best friend because your best friend might be a blabbermouth. They might be someone who's going to go turn around and post on Facebook, guess what I just heard, okay? Proverbs 2019 says, The gossip betrays confidence, so avoid a man who talks too much. So you guys kind of have an idea of, of who, who's that kind of person and who's not. And so the first thing you want to do when you want to go and confess to someone is you don't want to go and confess to someone who, who's just going to go tell your story to someone else. That one's pretty easy. If we go down this list, it's going to get a little bit more and more intense. Okay, so number two, who should you confess to? Don't confess to someone of the opposite sex. So confess to the same sex. If you're a guy, don't confess to a girl. To a girl, don't confess to a guy. Now, you're thinking in your head, what is it with this element student ministry, and why are they so crazy about girls and guys and dating and all these different things? Glad you asked. And as I was preparing my notes for this, I never really even thought about why this was kind of a principle. I knew it was a principle. I just been taught that, and that kind of makes sense. But I never understood like, well, why? What, what if my best friend's a girl, and maybe that's someone I can trust? Maybe that would be a, a good person to tell my secrets to. And I, it's kind of like this: telling your secrets to someone is a, is a little bit deeper and a little bit more intense than asking someone how their day is going and what the weather's like. It's more than a casual conversation. It gets pretty deep. I had this girl in high school who was a really good friend of mine, one of my best friends, and we were really close. We were, we were pretty close, and we, we kind of told her, each other everything. Back in the days before texting was real popular, uh, my generation, what we would do is we would go home from school, and we would go right to our computer, and we would go on AOL Instant Messenger. Now, you guys don't really use AOL. Does anyone still use Instant Messenger, really? No, because you all have phones. But this was like texting on your computer. So what you would do is you would go home from school, you would sit on your computer, and you would just wait for your friends to pop up. And so it was like you had limited windows to text your friends. Now you can text your friends whenever you want. But I had to wait for someone to come on, and then we would sit there and text on the computer, and and you would have like five windows arranged and you were all like multi-texting six or seven people at the same time. That's what we did in my generation. And it makes me feel a little bit old. But I would wait for this girl to come on and, and I would text her and she would you know, text me back or SMS IM me back and we would begin to share quite a bit. I got to be really, really good friends with this person. I dated her for a couple months and uh, I began to notice this kind of common theme is that I wasn't really the only guy that liked this girl. There were tons and tons of other guys that liked this girl. 
And I'm like, why in the world? You know, like, I, I kind of would get jealous sometimes because, like, that was our thing. Like, we were close. And, and you guys have, have probably have similar situations. But what I began to find out is that commonly what I, what I knew is I, I would talk to other guys that this girl liked, and they would all know the same stuff about her that I did. And that would make me mad. And, and the point is that when you share secrets and when you uh, tell other people about yourself, whether it's intentional or not, there is a connection that begins to develop and an intimacy that begins to develop. And so the reason that you don't share guys, your secrets to girls and girls to guys, is that when you do this, you're not just sharing information, but you're opening up your heart to that person. And all of a sudden you are starting to develop an intimacy with each other that you may not want or may not be healthy. Does that make sense to you guys? And so even, I would even say if you're dating someone and you're in, that's a whole other sermon and I don't want to go there, but your darkest secrets at your age don't need to be shared with the opposite sex. Now if you're married, absolutely, that's the person you share everything with. That's not what I'm talking about. But at your age, opposite sex, don't, don't share your secrets. That's a, that's a bad idea. It's going to lead to more trouble, more secrets, and it's going to get worse. Okay? So confess to someone trustworthy. Don't confess to someone of the opposite sex. Number three, confess to those who are wise. Alright? Proverbs 13, 20 says, He who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion, companion of fools suffers harm. The more popular verse is iron sharpens iron. You guys get the idea. Have you ever, uh, well, I don't know if you have, but I've been around groups of guys that will group, get together for accountability and they'll talk about their issues and problems. But the problem is, they all have the same exact issue. They all have the same stuff going on. There's no one in the group that's really mature and has kind of conquered some of the stuff that they're going through. So guess what happens when someone confesses? The group goes, oh, well, you know, that's kind of typical, and that's what we do, and none of us know how to get past it, so good luck with that, thanks for sharing. And so, that's not the idea, okay? You want to confess to those who are wise. Number four, confess to those in authority, okay? So the general rule of thumb is this, confessions go up, not down, okay? And, and that's general, the general rule of thumb. So, if you're at, if whatever is going on and you want to confess, and you're in a certain, certain situation, say if you're a student and you cheat on your test, you, do you confess to me? No, I don't care. You confess to your teacher. Okay? Well, I mean, I don't care, I care but that's not the point. Confess to your teacher. If you're a children and you just obey your parents, you confess to your parents. They are your authority. If you're an employee and you steal something, you confess to your boss. If you break a kind of uh, a moral code of conduct, then you can confess to me, your youth pastor, or another mentor in the room that you feel comfortable with. Okay? So the general rule of thumb is confessions go up, not down. Number five, confess to those you have wronged. And this is kind of separates... The, 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 like the JV confession and the varsity confession. This is like the, the men and the boys, the, the girls. The people who are real serious about wanting to write what they've done wrong and the people who just want to, to um, you know, just, they, they want to be fixed, but they don't want to really deal with the situation. How many people know who Zacchaeus is? Wow, this room's not very smart. But this room's brilliant. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but it's just funny that this whole side, maybe they're just following the crowd. But Zacchaeus was 
guy in the New Testament. He was a tax collector. He was kind of the worst of the worst. And this guy, he, he was, he, it's kind of like if we got taken over by China and no, we, everyone would hate that, right? No one would like that. Okay. But Mikey, Mikey's like, oh, I'm going to go work for China and I'm going to collect money from all of you to give to China. We would hate Mikey. I mean, he would be like, you jerk. How dare you betray us and work for China and take our money and give it to them. So that's what kind of Zacchaeus did. He worked for the Roman government and he took the Israelites' money and, and gave it to, gave it to um, this foreign ruler. So nobody liked this guy. And he was a crook. He was a cheater. Not only is he betraying us and not someone who we you know, like and is in, our, in, is in our circle of friends, but he's cheating us. He's taking more than he's supposed to. He's lying and he's making a profit. Long story short, Zacchaeus goes and he, he meets with Jesus and people are all upset. If you have your Bibles, you can flip to Luke 19. I want to read it to you really quick. Zacchaeus goes up to Jesus. He stood up, and this is verse 8. He says, Lord, Lord, look, here, uh, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And I, if, if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Now what, now what does Jesus say? Jesus said, oh, no, 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 it's okay. Zacchaeus, don't even worry about it. You confessed to me and the disciples. You told me, so you're, you're clear. You're in the clear. You told me, you confessed to me, that's good enough. No. Jesus says, after that, because of what you're doing, because of what you did, because you acted on your confession and you made restitution, you made it right, you went to the people that you wronged, salvation has come to you in your house today. And so, it's important that we confess to those we have wronged. And so... I want to help you guys understand like who you should confess to. I mean, we talked about things like someone in authority. I mean, don't don't go home to your little brother and say, "Well, Pastor Matt said I need to confess if I want to be healed." So you go to your little brother and say, "Hey, man, he's five. This is what I did." And your little brother's like, "Uh." I mean, it's not about data transfer. It's not about simply giving information to someone else. That's not the point of confession. Okay, the point of confession is this openness. This vulnerability uh, of opening yourself up to another person, this idea of humility, and this idea of um, truly being repentant for what you've done. And so, I hope by now you guys, kind of looking at that list, you have an idea of someone in your head that you can confess to, and, and you can go to, to kind of be accountable if you have no one, man, I, 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 am, I will stay here all day, and I will be here for the next forever if you ever want to talk to me about it. That's great. I hope some of you guys come to me. But I know that I don't have all of your trust. You might trust Julie more, but you must trust Doug, or Mr. Fun, or Derek, or Matt, or Matt, or, uh, or uh, Pete. Did you guys just say that? Like, I had it. Now you make me feel like I forgot Pete's name. I didn't, I, Pete, I didn't forget you. Alright? And so I hope you guys have someone that you can confess to. I want to kind of close with this thought. If the band wants to come up, we're going to uh, kind of close, close um, this is a time of reflection. But I want to close with this. Being in a service, being in a message, we take a look at James 5.16. And we took a, took a look at this idea of what it says. I want to read it one more time. But this time I want to read it 
from the message. It's a whole different version of the Bible, and it really spoke a lot to me, and it makes uh, this whole idea of confession make a lot of sense. So I want to read this from the message uh, to you guys. James 5.16 says this, Make this your common practice. Confess your sins to each other, and pray for each other, so that you can live together whole and healed. Say it one more time. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you can live together whole and healed. And the word I want to highlight there is this idea of whole. This idea of being com uh, whole, the one. Okay. God's reason for confession is all about wholeness of heart and wholeness of relationship. It's kind of this idea of being complete. This idea of being um, I guess I can't say it, complete, whole. Um, when we leave confession out, we kind of present ourselves as this edited version of ourselves. As we, you think of taking yourself and you know you open up Photoshop and you kind of delete all the junk, the stuff that doesn't look good, and you clean yourself up. And when you do that, you present to someone, not yourself. When you come that way and you interact with people in that kind of manner, you're not really you. You're a fake version of you. Now I want you guys to understand that tonight. If you don't get anything else out of the message tonight, I want you guys to understand this concept. See, we were all created with this desire to be known. To be fully known by someone. To be fully accepted. And that can't happen when we are not letting ourselves fully be known. We kind of come against, uh, we have this conflict in our lives, emotional conflict, when we keep secrets hidden amongst ourselves, and we keep these things hidden away, and we don't open up ourselves to each other. We don't become fully known because we don't allow it to happen. And the only way we allow that to truly happen is through this idea of confession, being completely open and whole, complete before each other. And so I said this, and, and as we go into worship, I want you guys to understand this. If you, if you don't remember anything else in the whole series of What's Your Secret, I want you to remember this. And I hope that this idea marks our youth ministry. I hope this idea, long after the series is gone, long after the PowerPoint with the guy with the face and the axe on his, on his mouth is gone, I hope this idea is still around. And I said this, uh, in the previous services, is that God's plan and work are best portrayed in the messes of our lives. God's plan and work are best portrayed in the messes of our lives. What does that mean? We always think that God's work is, is, is best portrayed when we have this big victory and we have this big God moment where maybe we, we do something for God. But that's not the truth. See, God's work is best portrayed in the message. God's in the message of our lives is, is best portrayed when we come before God and we have healing in our lives. And when we begin to hold on to all these secrets, we completely, completely stop that from happening. We don't give God a chance to work in our lives because we're not willing to, to face uh, each other. We're not willing to come before each other completely open. 2 Corinthians 12.9 says it perfectly. This is Paul writing. He says, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. 
Later in verse 10 he says, For when I am weak, Christ is made strong. When I am weak, Christ is made strong. And I don't want you guys to forget that. If you take one thing from this series, is that, you know what? We all have sin in our lives. We all deal with these things. The, the, the answer isn't to clean ourselves up and to act like it's okay. The answer is to come before each other, open, whole, real, passing that unexposed, you guys unexposed, and be open with each other and confess with each other. That's when true healing, that's when true differences take place. That's when you, have, you can stop going up to the altar again and again and again, confessing the same exact thing because you've refused to be open and let people see you for who you really are. And so we're going to sing. I want you guys to stand up. I want you guys to take this time in your life and reflect over this whole series. What's the one thing that nobody else knows about you? Have you confessed it to God? Have you received forgiveness? Who are you going to confess it to? How, how are you going to confess it? Are you going to start a little easier and maybe send an email? Are you going to pull someone aside? Are you going to take someone to lunch? How are you going to do it? Plan it out. Be practical with it. You guys stand up. God, I thank you for what you're doing in the hearts of Elvin, of the hearts of this ministry. God, I'm here to go forward from this 